from 60 something to 90 something is the third stage. And, it, and if you think about this in terms of life being a theater, it's like act one, act two, act three, as Robert Browning tells us, we did save the best for last. Welcome to this edition of Engaging the Generations, a podcast dedicated to conversations about cultivating intergenerational relationships in which every generation matters, every generation is valued, and all are engaged with one another in meaningful and purposeful ways. Today, I'm pleased to have on our program an old friend, Ward Tannenberg. You just heard Ward speak to the issue of retirement and how we deal with what he calls the third stage of life. Before we talk more about that, I want to tell you something about Ward. Ward has been active in a variety of ministries for more than 60 years. He has pastored three churches, worked with leaders in midlife and beyond through a ministry called CASA, the Christian Association of Senior Adult Ministries, in which he served as president. And not only does he have a PhD in theology, but he is also an alum of the Seattle FBI Citizens Academy, which may have given him some impetus to some of the seven books he has authored, including the novel Redeeming Grace, one I highly recommend. And he's working on a sequel to that book now. He also writes a blog called Perspective, Living, Learning, and Leading in Life's Third Stage. Ward is a widower. He has two married children, three grandchildren, four step-grandchildren, and two great-grandsons. Ward resides in the Pacific Northwest, where he claims to enjoy quiet evenings, but also likes to be with his family. And he enjoys long walks with his wonder dog, Gage. It is truly a joy and honor to have you on Engaging the Generations Ward. Welcome. Now, with your background in ministry focus with midlife and older adults, uh, share a little bit with us, Ward, about what you mean about this life's third stage. Why do you use that terminology? I think that life, we we used to divide life when I was first starting with older adult ministry, we, we divided it into first half, second half. But the fact is we are living so much longer these days. So I have in my own uh, work divided into three parts. Stage one would be the uh, birth to age 30 something. And, and that's the kind of the formative stage where we learn to read, write, eat, and talk and um, go to school maybe have uh, a mate that we find and marry. And by the time we're 30, we may have kids. So that's that stage. It's a pretty exciting era. The second stage is 30 to 60 something. That's where we are doing most of our career or our profession. We're making our money. And uh, uh, if you hear my dog in the background, um, it's all right. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. The 30 something, the 30 to 60 something is that most active, most energetic time where we're really making our, making our career path, fulfilling it from 60 something to 90 something is the third stage. And it, and if you think about this in terms of life being a theater, it's like act one, act two, act three, 
We don't, we don't hope that Act 3 is going to be the dullest time that we <laughs> spend at the theater. We want it to be the most exciting, the most revealing, the most informative. We want to be able to walk away from it saying, that was a really good play. And that's what, we, what we're talking about here. We want to be able to walk away from our life when the time comes and say the best, we did save the best, as Robert Browning tells us, we did save the best for last. So the third stage to me is the most exciting time. And really, I'm finding it to be true in my own life. Uh, you mentioned in one of your recent blogs that I guess maintaining that kind of excitement and purpose and sense of vision, as you said, in this third stage, uh, really is it goes hand in hand with what you call growing closer to the light. Um, share with us what you mean by that. And, and does that mean something different for those of us in this third stage versus those in the previous two stages of life? You know, looking back on my own life uh, in, the, in the first two stages, it was really a busy life. It was just, it was just constantly uh, busy. That's all, I can, that's all I can say. When I get to the third stage, it's still very busy. My life it still remains quite active and involved, and I'm 85 in, in, in uh, chronological years. And it's still a very exciting period for me. I, I find that getting closer to the light or drawing closer to the light, that question, to me is that I find there's more time now, even though I'm very busy and very active, there is still more time to be devoted to the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And it is more precious to me as I grow older than it ever was before. And so I think, in a way, I, in, in chronological years, I'm growing older. I'm, I'm going to, I have fewer years ahead than I have behind. So I'm getting closer to the light the light of Jesus Christ. And yet, uh, as I draw closer to that light, I find that, that uh, the refreshing of this particular period in my life is the best that it's ever been. You know, Jesus came and, and said he was the light of the world. And so all, all of the time we think about God, we think about light, we think about creation, you know, and there was all, it was all dark, it was darkness. And then God said, what? He said, let there be light. And there was light. And so he comes into the world in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And what does he do? He says, I am the light. I am the light of the world. And so as we get older, we, I think we find ourselves drawing closer to that light. And I think those of us who are in that latter stage of life can really understand and relate to what you're talking about. Although I have to say, I run into a whole lot of people in that third stage who seem more focused upon pleasures and spending on themselves and, uh, you know, collecting seashells, whatever the case may be, than, than really focusing on that that relationship that you're talking about? Well, I think that for the most part, we don't prepare ourselves for retirement. Retirement is a concept that we've kind of created in this, uh, in this generation 
the generation past, the one we're living in now. And so people work toward retirement and then they retire at 65 or 67 and they're all excited about it. First couple of weeks, they're wondering why nobody calls them. You know, we used to get, they used to have people calling because people needed something from them. Now they don't need anything because they don't think you've got anything to give. So instead you go out and play golf or you play tennis or you decide to travel. And that works for a while, maybe six months, maybe a year. And then you come back home and you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say, now what? Because, because in our generation, we're living longer. And the, the, the third stage could be a 30-year 30 30 plus cycle of, you know, you just can't play that much golf. You can't, you can't play that much tennis. You can't watch that much television. That's what I think a lot of people in this stage, they let themselves get bored. And so television kind of takes up the space. But we need meaning and purpose more than ever in our third stage of life. We do. I, I, often, I often talk to people in, in my generation about what I call the curse of elderitis. Um, uh, I, uh, which is, you know, really, it's, it's really that state of mind that you just described where we, we tend to lose a sense of purpose, why we were here. Um, and that goes in hands with, with hand in hand with what you talked about in your blog about this loss of vision, uh, which really relates to purpose. And it has the tragic consequences of, of, of another kind of loss, and that's a loss of impact in the lives of others, especially those in the younger generation. We've become desensitized in spirit. Uh, you know, we, we get focused on, on reminiscence rather than vision. And suddenly we, we are disconnected from an, the other generations because of what's going on. And uh, so, it, you know, obviously we need to build and, and intentionally build, I think, connections with other generations. Or there is, a, is, is there not some risk that we will, in fact, really lose this sense of purpose that God has for us? I mean, you talk about drawing closer to the light. It seems to me that that light also is something that causes to un, causes to us to understand, or at least ought to cause us to understand that there is a purpose beyond ourselves that God wants to do to impact those who are coming behind us. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yes, um, and it is easy to lose sight of that fact as we get older. Psalmist said in Psalm seventy-eight. And I like this. Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, previous generation, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. That's the generational flow that God intended for his creation that we would just keep on moving from one generation to another generation, building stronger relationships with those who are our uh, heritage, as well as those who are uh, looking ahead of us. So, you know, I'm at the age, uh, I have very few people who are old enough to be my mentors anymore. <laughs> That's I, do have, I do have one gentleman who is, um, in Vancouver, BC, and he's he's been a mentor to me, and he's 99 
he oh would be a hundred next birthday. Goodness. <laughs> so, um, and he's still writing letters from his uh, from his uh, uh, assisted living community in which he's in now, yeah. and communicating with those that he knows and loves. And so, I I like I like that. I, I live right now among. Uh, third stage men and women. Where I live, I moved into a retirement community because that retirement community, one of my reasonings was it's not a Christian-based retirement community. So it's like a village of 500 people living under one roof in a very large lodge-like affair in the in the Issaquah Alps here near Seattle. And these people, they had no no resident chaplain, there's nothing of that nature. And so I took it on myself to be that. I'm the volunteer guy who lives here. And uh, we, we've done a, we started with Zoom during the pandemic, began to build relationships with people on Zoom. And then eventually we, uh, last year, we developed what we now call the Sunday Fellowship. And we meet every Sunday morning. I started that with just sending out a letter saying, you know, I was at church last Sunday and decided that they didn't need me anymore. I'm sitting in the back pew with my dog, Gage, and I just got a little sad. And so I drove home and I said, I wonder if anybody would show up next Sunday at my door if I invited them. And so I said to a group of people whose emails I had, uh, if you don't have a church home since you moved here, or you can't get to your church now because you don't have that physical capability or you don't drive, uh, or you just are thinking about spiritual things for the first time in your life. If you show up with your coffee cup in front of my apartment door next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, we'll get together and I'll tell you a story. I had no idea if anybody would show up or not. But when I opened my door at 10 o'clock that Sunday, there were 10 people there with their coffee cups in their hand. That's amazing. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the Sunday Fellowship. So now we meet in the uh, main hall, and uh, there's we have maybe thirty to thirty-five right now that are coming on a regular basis. Some that are new Christians. So I then started something called understanding my Bible better, because I found that people, even though some of them had been around religion all their life, they'd never read their Bible. And so some of them even were buying a Bible in order to be part of this small group that I had. And I've, I've been through uh, three or four of those now. And we began a widow and widower group. We've done two of those sessions. We'll do another one in September. And in the process of all of this, now these some of these people who are coming to Sunday Fellowship are bringing their son or their daughter or their grandchildren and they're bringing them to the Sunday Fellowship. Wow. It's pretty exciting deal, huh? That's really exciting. And you know, we sometimes forget that our generation, Ward, is just as much of an evangelistic field as any of the other generations behind us. Uh, well, I was going to say we're basically a group of religious heathens. Hmm. Uh, but in this, in this little category of people that meet on Sunday morning, I grew up in a town that was smaller than this when I was a kid. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a town that had less than 500 people in it. So, so this is like a little village for me. I'm back after, after pastoring in a large situation. I'm back now. You're like, the with, mayor. You're like the mayor of this village now, huh? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you to Mayor Ward for sharing his perspective on aging and the challenge to all of us to think purposefully. These can indeed be the best years of our lives, so let's not waste them on things that don't matter, especially knowing how little time we may have left to make an impact for Christ. Now, Ward will be back in our next episode of Engaging the Generations to talk about how we might overcome some of the obstacles of this third stage of life and some ideas that will open doors for us to share our stories and connect with our grandchildren, with our adult children, and others of these generations. You will want to hear the wisdom of Dr. Ward Tannenberg as he brings us into this conversation. Well, that's it for today. I look forward to visiting with you again in our next episode of Engaging the Generations. Invite a friend to join us. Until then, I'm Kevin Harper, encouraging you to be intentional and faithful in commending the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation, especially your own family. Music